Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host. Gypsy. And today we have Jennifer Peavy. Um, Jennifer comes from a very backgrounds of engineering, design, and innovation. She is a thought leader and designer and author of Natural Reflectors. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. I, um, I right now am freelancing and I'm an author, but I, as you said, I have a varied background. I started off as an engineer and I was okay at it, uh, but there were a number of times that I thought there could be something more that I should be bringing to the table. Um, and then I ended up in, into innovation management, which was basically taking the business side and the engineering side together. And that was really good, but I ended up introduced to industrial design at that point, which allowed me to understand a little more about people. And so when I went into the pandemic, I was, I had actually left a corporate job burnout and I took a couple of months off and was intending upon going back, but then all of a sudden lockdown happened and I was unemployed. Mm. So I'm sitting here with this background um, you know, that has all of its different stereotypes and processes, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And so that's what I ended up spending the pandemic was trying to understand how I was going to make an offering of what I could do. And then I really ended up finding that that was based upon the process. You know, engineering has its own way, um, innovation has its own way, and design had its own way. And so I spent that time creating a structure. I was trying to figure out what my process would be. And so that's kind of what I do now is I am living that process and then I'm applying it to uh, different projects and to my clients. Okay. Um, you mentioned burnout. Um, that kind of stuck out to me because I think I, I deal with that a lot. Um, I'm, yeah. So how I know you mentioned that in your book as well. How do you avoid burnout and what what have you, um, what's your thoughts on that? So if I go back, the, you know, the World Health Organization defines burnout, or at least the symptoms of burnout, is where you're completely exhausted, where your productivity is much lower, and where you mentally create a distance between yourself and whatever is causing the burnout. And I like to add another layer to that, where no matter what you try, you feel like nothing is going to succeed. And I feel like there's a level of trust that is lost, whether it between you and your job or whatever the situation is. And so burnout ultimately is stress that is unmanaged. So how do we get into this place where our productivity is lower and we're exhausted? And it's because it's just stress that has just combined and then piled and piled and piled upon itself. So some of the things, or at least what happened to me because of the pandemic, I had this huge amount of space to be able to rest and to be able to reflect and was able to find what was it that was causing my stress. And so I was able to pull myself out of that little step by little step out of that burnout and find what actually brought me peace and joy. Now, your question was, how do we prevent burnout? I think reflection also does that. And I liken it to the idea of driving down a road. Now, I'm on the East Coast. 
And we have the Appalachian Mountains here. And so they're very old mountains, but there, there's lots of switchbacks within those mountains. And you can imagine driving down a mountain road where the mountain is going up to the left and it goes off to the right. And you may or may not have, you know, a curb to protect you or any kind of type of protection. But you're going to spend time, you know, checking in the rearview mirror. You're going to be looking at the cars ahead of you. You may pay attention to the signs that say, oh, we're suddenly about to have either an incline or about to go into a set of switchbacks. And you might take a moment and say, you know what, I'm not feeling really well. I'm a little tired. I might need to pull off and get some coffee. But it's those little nudges that you take to be able to keep yourself in the lane. And I think that's how we prevent burnout. It's just slight little management where we check in, check in with ourselves, we check in with our environment, we check in with the car. And the problem is, is if we don't do that, maybe we've had an argument with somebody and we're, you know, it's spinning in our head or maybe I'm on the phone having that argument and we miss that sign that told us there's something serious coming up. And heaven forbid, we either end up off the road on the shoulder or we end up off the cliff altogether. And I think reflection, that was what the pandemic did for me. It gave me a time to be able to figure out where I was. And I think once you get in there, the questions that you can ask is, what do you care about enough to get back on the road? Or what do you care about enough to stay on that road? Okay. For me, I like to, um, I, I can definitely relate to that reflection during the pandemic thing. And mine kind of um, went back all the way to my childhood and even my whole music career. Um, what were your goals in life growing up? And for me, I could say that I may have had a burnout from something that was even long term. Sure. So sure. for, you know, for you, what were your goals? And did you burn out as far as when you're trying to achieve your goals, even coming from childhood? Or, you know, did you are you doing what you want to do? since childhood now? I can tell you, I was a bit lost in childhood. So the fact of being, I, I envy people who said, you know, at five years old, they knew what they were going to be when they grew up. <laughs> and I've always kind of said, or always thought that was because I love to learn. And I'm a creative and I'm a little scattered and I like shiny objects. So I get distracted easily. But I do believe that there was a, um, a philosophy when I was growing up about being busy mm. and that I should constantly be doing something. Yeah. And so therefore I was always, you know, being pushed to do something. So I didn't have a moment to even know or even to think about what made me happy mm. or what I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be happy. And I can tell you throughout my life, there have been a number of times where I was nudged. Even during the engineering time, I spent 20 years as an engineer. There were times in there, just like I said earlier about, I know there's more to me that I can bring to the table. And if I could bring more of me to the table, I think I'd be more successful. But I felt like I was limited based upon the process or the culture or whatever it was. But I never took the time to listen. I, I would occasionally have these restless moments, but I, I never took the time or for whatever reason, did not hear it and know what it means. And so I, it's not a full answer to your question, but I, was, I would say I've been mostly lost my whole life, that I may have been busy to avoid listening 
to what my gut or my body or my little inner child, whatever we want to talk about wanted. But you did answer my question okay. just from <laughs> being, you know, taught from an early stage to always stay busy without yes. having a proper explanation behind what are you staying busy doing? Right. And for me, I, I started playing cello when I was five and during the pandemic, I got a chance to kind of look back and analyze some things, even just from where we are right now. I'm not sure um, what it was like where you were, but right. here in downtown LA, got a chance to see everything come to a complete stop. Yep. So even for, for me in that in particular area, certain things were kind of starting to maybe pick up a little bit, but to see that, okay, everything is closed, right. you know, now. all right now, you know, kind of the ref being able to reflect on, all right, why do I do what do I, what I, what I do, you know, Right. Even, is it going to be valuable after this or is it something that I should even consider now I'm trying to consider, you know, when things get back straight, yep. what do I, you know, do I really want to go through this same, yep. get to this certain level, you know, cause of yep. course we all dropped down. Maybe some of us kind of fell off a few levels depending on what we were doing. But mm -hmm. for me, I had a chance to say, okay, I'm going to take this part and just, put it over here and then yeah. I'm going to kind of create a whole new identity or just a new me to not quite a complete identity, but just yeah. a new me. I love it. So that's kind of one of the things that led my energy to focus, of course, on my wife. I became a house husband basically. Um, <laughs> so sure. with the, the reflecting thing, it made me realize a lot of musicians are offered, you know, the well, not necessarily offered are they they come into the music industry knowing or not industry but just music knowing that they like it or they heard something and it's like okay i'm choosing to be in music mine was more of i was given the option of an instrument so being a just a you know i've mentioned it before on other podcasts just being super passionate about music growing up as an adult i'm getting now to see the difference i'm good at music but Am I as passionate about music as this musician over here? And it's yeah. like, no, I'm not. And yes. I got a chance to kind of reflect on that. Got a chance to reflect that, yes, I'm good at a lot of things. Yes. So just depend, just looking at life, I just put my, a lot of time in, you know, into music. Yes. Growing up orchestra, Saturday, private lessons, two, oh. twice a week in the school, I was still doing music. So that's just kind of where time was. I yep. did have a burnout with the cello. Right. Because I, I grew up doing it. I was good at it, but I didn't quite love doing it. Like right. a lot of other people may have. Well, you know, not too many kids really love some kids loved it. But yeah, I didn't love it. If I had to practice right. a lot more, it'd, I'd be a lot you know, better technically, but I'm still pretty good. Soulfully. Right. Um, right. I took a seven year break from that. And that okay. was a, um, a long time, maybe 2007, okay. 2006, around that time. And I came back to it later and I realized, okay, I, I've matured a little bit and I like right. it. And that's one of the reasons why I brought it out to LA when I came, when we came over about four years ago. Okay. It got me through a lot of things, you yeah. know, it helped 
brought a lot of good energy to a lot of people, but it also created a title with this, which is musician that a lot of people don't really put a lot of respect on like you would like to. So hey. after, you know, experiencing and just realizing like, okay, I'll depart from the, um, the title of musician during this pandemic time and hey. see if I can, you know, get into a new building and start mm-hmm. to go up another building and, and build from there. And so that's kind of where the podcast thing came in, but there was a, a lot of reflecting and a lot of, I had to really understand I'm good at music, but it really wasn't my choice. It wasn't what a, I'm, I'm not as passionate about it. And it's not, of right. course, we all don't you know pick our passions. We podcast is new. It's pretty much yeah. new. So this wasn't a childhood dream for any of us. We didn't, think, we didn't think, you know, we didn't want like, Oh, I want to grow up and be a, that's this generation that can grow up and, and do that. So yeah. yeah, it's a brand new spark and it's, it's getting, you know, good results, but it definitely took a lot of, you know, self-analyzing and to a, a definitely a big leap of faith because yeah, it's <laughs> doing music is hard to get support. So when you do something new that a lot of people still don't know anything about, yeah, it's it's a another leap of faith as well. So yeah. It's, you know, I can definitely understand during this pandemic time the being able to, you know, reflect and having to come out in a totally different person, new career, just a different butterfly than what you were before. Yeah. Before this. So I'm curious, one of the things that I have um every time I made a change, I have made this assumption. So the reason I ask this is just for my own benefit. I have always assumed that I would need to bring everything prior with me, or I would try to take advantage of it. Mm. So, you know, I had this 20 years of engineering. So I felt like, okay, if I'm going to go into innovation, it needs to be technically minded. Or when I was doing design, I was doing it towards materials because I was working for a materials company. And even when I left corporate, that was kind of what I was offering was this combination of all of me, all of these experiences. Mm. And people love that conversation. But to invest in it, like you say, they love music. They love love the cello. Oh, my God, I love the cello. <laughs> to pay you to do it was a different thing. Yeah. And so it's been interesting right now. So I'm curious, are you bringing all of that experience with you in this new thing? Or did you just wipe the slate clean? The experience I'm definitely bringing with me because I'm street performing downtown L.A. So okay. The, the people that you probably least expect to pay you for it, uh-huh. pay you for it. And then the people that want you to come do the dinner in the living yeah. room don't want to yeah. pay you for it. Right. right. But, well, however, like I said, certain things from photography to you have an expectation of, you know, views when you release a project, there's a certain type of, um, I guess instant gratification that you kind of yep. that dopamine hit that you expect yep. from some of those things. I yep. think I could say successfully, I left that stuff there. Okay. So even as we do podcasts and as I'm, I, I enjoy doing this, I enjoy the conversation. It's not, you know, just something I have to practice for hours and hours. And then when right. I get here, I'm worried about making a mistake that kind of, ah, it's a different, you know, stress. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still bring the same 
professionalism with it. And, right. you know, I still try to. You have skills that are based on that old. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's talking, I'm talking more, I'm used to performing, but now I'm yeah. having, it's a different fear that I'm conquering again, you know, public yeah. performing yeah, yeah. for the general public. That's one thing. So yeah. there, here is now, you know, that number one fear, public speaking. So, but I think you do bring your skills with you, like all of that, the music and, and being in public and, you know, getting out of your comfort zone yeah. in front of a group of people and things like that. A lot of the skills always transfer over. Yep. Um, but I think yeah. when you were saying earlier, like, you know, sometimes we feel like we have to bring everything over. It's just like, we don't want to we don't want any wasted time, right? I've spent so yeah. much time. I deal. I'm while he was talking, I was kind of feeling the parallels in 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 my world. Like, yeah, I I'm in the tech world. I do web development. Um, but there was times where I just took some time off to kind of figure out, like, all right, let me just wipe everything off and figure out, like, who am I? Like, what are my goals? And all, you know, I self reflect daily. I think it's something you should do daily and not just when you have some uh, a big gap of time or vacation. But um, I took a longer gap of time just to just completely wipe everything out of the plate. And, you know, some things I didn't expect came through, like, you know, mm -hmm. pieces of me I didn't know existed started to come yeah. forward this um i ha had to take time actually <laughs> it was it, it wasn't right away because right away you're like all right i need to find something because i i just left my job and i don't you know i need to have some income i need to create a business and all of this stuff um but you really like have to get to a point of nothingness almost to for for things that were suppressed to naturally come forward Absolutely. Um, and yeah. I was going to ask you, like, you talk a lot about self-reflection. Like, what are your routines or methods? Um, so I, I start every day. Like you talked about every day. I have a practice um, when I first get up. Uh, there are a few things. I have a dog, so we got to deal with the emergencies of getting outside and things like that. But once we got to a point of my time, I, um, I have four different things that I do or I have prompts. So I spend some time checking in, almost like driving down the road. I check in with the divine. I check in uh, with my dog. So that's my other, love from others. Check in with myself mentally. What am I thinking? And then I check in with my body. You know, how am I feeling today? What, what, what's going well? What's not going well? Um, during the, the mental or emotional time, I have uh, four different prompts there. And, and it's because it's first thing in the morning. I'm, I, you know, to just come out of nothing, I probably would sit there a lot, you know, just sip on my tea. But if I have my prompts, it helps me get in there. Uh, the first thing I do is I actually uh, think about my energy level. How am I feeling right then? And part of that is physical, but I really concentrate on my gut. That was something I did during the pandemic was listen to my body and started to learn what were my feelings and what are the physical sensations that are associated with emotions. So I can tell you when I'm angry, I can tell you when I'm scared, I can tell you when I'm happy, I can, you know, because I can tell you what the physical sensation is. So I say energy level, and I will assign a number to it. So this might be the engineer in me is, is putting that there and zero will be, I might as well be in the grave and a hundred means I'm flying to the moon. And, 
the reason I do it is for a long time, I was trying to see what the differences were. Because if there was a huge change, I wanted to know why. Because if it was something that went down, if the number went down, then that's something I might need to work on. Maybe there's some self-care I need to do, or there's just something I need to think about and deal with that issue. Or if the number went up, I want to know why, because I want to repeat that. (laughs) So I'll learn that's something good there. Um, And I've tracked that now for maybe a year and a half, and I had the numbers beforehand, but for a while I was actually putting it um, in a circle so that I could see if there was a pattern. You know, if were there certain times that, like at the beginning of a month, or there's certain times or at the end of the month that I was either higher or lower or whatever it was. I just wanted to see if there were patterns rather than just these these random numbers in a table. The second thing I do is look for something I'm grateful for or name something I'm grateful for. And part of that is just uh, identifying with the world around me and saying, yes, there are good things that are happening, claiming the goodness that is in my life. The next thing I call faith, but what it really is about is what am I uncomfortable with or what am I scared about? And so I'll try to see, and it might be something that's just running in my head, something that's nagging me, and I'll spend some time asking why, what is going on with that? Why does that bother me? And then I will flip it around and make a statement of faith, something about you are going to handle that well, or you are figuring it out. I'll, I'll try to give myself a cheerleading moment with that. And then the last thing I label as desire, and that is about what do I need today to nourish me or just sustain me? And it could be something that I eat. It could be, though, something that emotionally nourishes me. Um, There was a time period, and it occasionally still happens, where I was uh, watching a lot of murder mysteries. And some of them can get rather gory, and some of them get very serious. And I found over time that I was losing energy level. And so I would identify that I need laughter in my life. And so I'll either watch something or I'll play with the dog, something that allows me to laugh type of thing. The laughter is very important. Absolutely. And I I can get sucked into these dramas and, and especially with the binge watching, you know, you're just going to watch another one and watch another one. And, and then before I know it, I haven't laughed, you know, probably in a good week. and, And I know that I need that, that stress relief. And so that is, that is what I do every day. Um, now I do have, as I talked about that, that uh, pattern is I will have a certain amount of reflection, a certain amount of action as I go through a, a moon cycle. And I follow it with the moon just as a timepiece. So when the moon is new and it's dark, I spend more time reflecting. And when it's full, there'll be more action going on. But what I will do then is spend time saying, okay, what do I want for the next 29 days? What do I dream of? What would I like to accomplish? And then I take a small bite. I'll go in and say, okay, mentally prepare. What do I need to order? What do I need to research to be able to do that? And then I'll make a prototype. And I think that's part of it that I was thinking about when you were talking about podcasting. You know, I wondered, did you try something or did you just jump in? You know, I'm finding I'll do a little bit and I'll, I'll do a little bite. And the nice thing with following the moon is I'll have three days where I'll say, you only have three days, Jennifer. Because the engineer in me, I could spend a year working on that one prototype and get, get just, just down a rabbit hole. But I'll say, no, you only have three days. So just put a constraint on it. And then I'll look at it and say, did it work? Did it not work? What did I want to learn from that? Then I might refine those for a little bit. And then I'll spend some time, particularly at the full moon, is I'll spend time, and again, three days, where I'll say, what did, what did I learn? 
what, what came out of this? How do I feel about it? Is this something I would like to continue? Because I might have a dream for the year, a project for the year, but for this moon, I'll just take this little bite of it and see if it goes in the right direction. Yeah. One of the things that I did in industrial design was at that point, we would actually bring the client in for the project and spend time talking to them about all of those things. What did I learn? What do we think? What are our recommendations? And since these are my projects, I actually set aside a time where I do that for myself. And so I make a little presentation and I sit there and I say, okay, this is what happened. This is what I learned. This is what I liked. This is what I recommend. And then I'll stop and I'll say, what do you think? And then I'll put on another hat and I'll tell myself. And I found that actually be very powerful because I'm pretty good at it, at telling people what I think about things, but I never did it for me because I was too close to it. Then I will do whatever documentation needs to be done. Sometimes it's, it's nothing. And sometimes it's, I'm, I'm making a form for myself for the next, uh, next moon or something like that. And then I will actually spend a time to clean up and I will spend a time of rest so that I can wipe the slate clean so that when the new moon comes, I'll be ready to dream again. So it kind of comes in different waves. The third thing I'm doing now is I'm looking at that as a year not just the day, not just the, the moon, but then the entire year. And since it's winter, I'm spending a lot more time dreaming. So January was on dreaming. I'm now at a time where I'm, I'm planning out the year and trying to figure out what do I need to learn? What do I need to gather and that type of thing. And then by the spring, I'll prototype the summer. I'll refine them in the fall. I'll go back to what did I, what did that mean? So like, what are some ground rules you came up with as a result of doing all this self-reflection? So a lot of it is to create space mm. to allow for it. Um, because I can get busy with processes and say, you know, okay, checklist, got to do all these things. But to allow myself, it's not only space, but a certain pace. And, I, and that pace varies. I think it's slower in the winter and I make you bet it's going to be faster in the summer just because the, you know, there's more light, there's more energy, the temperatures are better. So I feel like doing a bit more, but I, I will check in with my gut if the pace is going well. And I find that um, the outcome and the reason I, I remind myself of it is the outcome is actually better. I will have higher quality results. My projects will be better. Um, the gifts will be better, uh, whatever I'm offering. The other, and part of that is, a, a, I guess a ground rule is a shift in mindset is saying, this is worth doing, that I will have faith and believe that the outcomes will be better. Um, and it allows me also to only look at today. I take a small bite and I liken it to um, laying a brick wall that today is just today's brick. But then when I go to the Newman and I reflect, I'm able to step back and look and say, hey, I'm building a wall. And look, it's I've got this nice little window in the wall over here that I wanted. So it's it's coming from a long term view and a short term view, details versus overview. And I just go back and forth and go through a cycle like a sinusoidal wave back and forth in and out of there. So when you were doing the energy like you say you take note of like a number of how you feel in the morning. Yep. What, what is one thing that sticks out that may have caused like a dip, like you see a pattern as you, yeah. what are, what's something that either caused a spike downwards or upwards um, that you noticed? 
So downward, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So it's typically a person because interacting with people does take a lot of energy. And yeah. so, but I, there are, I can name certain people who drain me a lot more than others. <laughs> yeah. And, and part of what I've identified is, um, in one instance, this particular person likes drama and they like to react to everything really big and it gets loud and, and it, it takes a lot of energy and I can tell when that's going to happen. The nice thing is I schedule my meetings mom. with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can they? <laughs> Not name no, just, name. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> but the nice thing is I because I know I've been able to identify that per particular person, I then prepare for it. I will schedule time to make sure that my energy is high. And so if I know that it's going to drop down or what I've decided, or I've gotten to the point is I don't engage with it. She might be sitting over there doing, ah, well, I'll say, you know, well, okay. You don't have to fight it. You could just let it be. It would be okay. And sometimes I think for me, what I need to do for her is to let it, let her be empowered to let it be okay. I think she's actually a very scared person. So, and so I don't take on her fear. Um, some of the positive that have gone up, I, I can tell you has been sleep. If uh, I, I spent six months studying my, what, what helps me sleep. And so there'll be little things like the temperature of the room. Um, when do I stop actually eating? in the evening because you know i'll eat dinner and then you might have a little snack and then we're going to have a little this before bed so if i stop three hours before i go to bed i sleep better um there is also things with technology so i actually will start going to bed at four o'clock so that's when i stop this and then at five o'clock i'll eat something but i will stop engaging with the phone and then I will stop engaging with the iPad and then I'll stop engaging with the television. And then I will, you know, and there'll be a point about an hour before bed that I'm only dealing with paper. Okay. You know, it's either a paper book or I am doodling, or I've even gotten to the point I'll have a little itty bitty loom and I'll actually weave because it's something that allows my brain to let go of things, but it's something that has to be done. And so it's just enough to keep it awake because otherwise my brain will go off into all sorts of, rabbit holes. Yeah. But it, it will be this slow down that takes hours to do, but it makes a huge difference in my sleep. And now because I've collected these numbers, I can see over years, the cumulative effects of that. It is a whole lot easier for me to have a higher number and they don't jump as much. There's, there's a lot more uh, smoothness to those numbers. Those circles don't do these crazy things looking like a daisy. It's more of a, it's not quite a circle, but it looks more like a circle when I go in those patterns. Yeah, we took, well, I guess, let me see. During the pandemic 2020, we were building or, you know, putting our plans together for the podcast. We had a music studio. I'm not sure if you knew. We have a music studio and then we were just deciding to add the podcast studio to the in-house music studio. And it was, that's, we've even dealing with music, everything has kind of always been a just jump straight into it, jump straight into it. Not really a, 
um, plan it out all the way and plan a whole project out like a, a whole season and then record. So when we jumped into podcasts, we were just, let's just go. <laughs> and we got started October 1st and December 28th, it rained on the studio. So we basically coming into 2021, we were basically at a standstill right. with a lot of things. And 2021 was more of a plan it out. Okay, we're going to we're de definitely going to do the podcast. But yep. when rebuilding kind of how do we want to pace things? How do we want to visualize doing it? How do we kind of want to, you know, even the platform, the guest, and I feel like we, I, I kind of took, or we kind of took basically 2020 to really visualize it a little bit more, take a break, relax on some things. She got back into the tech world or in the web development oh, world. Okay. And we, it's still just kind of float floated by a little bit, um, 2021. Yeah. So we kind of, Paced things, got the podcast stuff back up. And, you know, when it was time for season two, things started going. She got on to Matchmaker and huh? it's been back to back to back to back to back to back since. Yep. Are you happy with that? Very happy with it. Very Good. happy with it. Good. But it seems, you know, and this is the first time that I could say I feel like we took a whole year to schedule right. out the next year <laughs> right. to a certain right. degree. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. And, and, and it's funny, I'll have a lot of people, um, because of the engineering background, they assume that I love this. And I'm like, I, I don't like planning things out. I don't like the process. <laughs> I don't like all those things. But the scattered creative didn't get anywhere. And I wasn't happy because I wasn't accomplishing anything. And so I appreciate having some structure that allows me to pace it so that I'm not stressed out and I'm managing that. But then I also have this progress. Now I also schedule in crazy time, you know, where I can just do whatever I want to do and I can just jump in, but it's, it's interesting to, um, to choose to do it yeah. and, and know you're going to do it as opposed to, and I guess that's the difference between being proactive and reactive in a way, in my mind is, is I'm deciding what I'm doing and I get to choose it. And that makes me feel powerful. Yeah. And I think that's part of what helps with, with staving off burnout is I, you know, if I don't like something, I chose it. And when it comes back around again to reflect, well, then we don't have to choose that again, or we can choose something else that, that has been nagging me. But um, it does, it does feel empowering to choose. Yes. You find, um, you talk about like finding inspiration in um, from nature <laughs> and we spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, just kind of turning off all the, the the electronics and just getting out in nature because it it allows for a lot of time for self reflection. Um, what are some inspiration we find in nature that we can apply in our daily life? Absolutely, and and now you're going to get to see the engineer again because I just geek <laughs> out on the science, all of that because I love the metaphors. Mm -hmm. So even just simply, you know, like I said about the moon and the light and saying, okay, I'm going to have more action when there's more light. But there are all sorts of of other cycles within nature. Um, roots of a plant, whether a tree or a small plant, it actually sends out chemicals, and it's searching for calcium in the soil. 
And so if there is calcium, there, there will be a, um, I don't know how it works, but there is a cycle that it will come back and they will sense the fact that there's calcium in a particular direction. If there's not, the roots will not grow in that direction. It will only grow in the direction of the calcium. And so that's why the roots will not go through the concrete. In fact, it will turn before it even hits there. So a nice metaphor for that was, why are we going until we hit the wall? You know, if we know we can send out information or we can reflect or we can ask, is there help in that particular direction? Is that person or that operation or that company going to support me? And if they're not, then why are we continuing to push in that particular direction? You know, we should go where where the, the energy is or where the, the feedback is. And I'm sure with the street performing, you know, there's certain streets that work for you and certain streets that don't. Yeah. You know, well, and, I didn't and really you try be, too many. So yeah, but, well, or you the could one be out of stubborn. the one out of the three worked. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. I could see you being stubborn and saying, I'm going to stay on Rodeo Drive until it works. You know, <laughs> you know, you could yeah. see doing something like that. But why do we, but we do that. But why do we do that? You know, it's like, it's saying, just go where the energy is. If, if this other group wants you, then, then go with them. What, what is it that we, we force ourselves into a certain area? Some of the other things I have found with nature is um, there are all sorts of layers to what we learn. You know, we could just look out the window or you could look on YouTube of what's going on, but, but you could get in deeper and get into the science of why. Like I could find out exactly what is that chemical cycle that goes back around and maybe there's a metaphor there. Um, I liken it to finding mineral or finding uh, gemstones, at least in the Appalachian mountains because they're so old and worn down, we have a lot of ruby and sapphire mines. Um, and so if you got one, you know. But we are rock hounds, so we go okay. in nature and collect minerals. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so all of nice. these are stuff we collect. Very cool. So it's just the idea of what it takes to get a, a rock or a gemstone out of the ground. Yeah. You know, how it got formed and all the layers to get down to it. And even when they pull them out, you know, there's there's all sorts of other minerals, like quartz that are around it to be able to get down to the gemstone. And, and one of the things you were talking about, uh, things that rules that I've learned earlier, some of it is celebrating all of those moments. Even when it's in the ground, it's still valuable. Even when it's a, 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 the center of this great big rock, it is still valuable. Even when we cob off down to the crystal, even when the crystal gets formed into a gem, and then when the gem is put into the jewelry, each of those points is still valuable. So I felt like that's a, a really good metaphor. Um, there was one artist uh, out of Pennsylvania that I interviewed for the book who, uh, she calls herself an environmental artist. And she particularly likes water and the way that water flows. <laughs> and she had been picked uh, by the Philadelphia um, Art at Bartram's, or it was all of Philadelphia. They were doing a, an artistic renaissance and they were going to put it downtown on the Schuylkill River. And she was the first one of the mural artists. And even though she, she does uh, installations, it was still out of the murals in Philadelphia. She was picked to actually put an installation. She went with the Schuylkill River because she loves water and she spent two years studying this river. It is actually a tidal river, which is rare, particularly in a downtown area. And it changes about every hour and a half, even though you know the tide itself is every 12, what happens just because of all the other 
forces, the, the, you know, the currents, whatever is going on within the river. And she chose to take buoys. She took nine buoys, three red, three teal, and three green, and put them on a string. And then she sunk down a weight and connected, uh, connected that so that these buoys would then float on the river. And when it was high tide, those would stand up and you'd only see the top three. And when it was low tide, they would lay on top of the river and they would move with the currents. Now she knew that that would be an indicator. So all the skyscrapers around Philadelphia would be able to look down at the Schuylkill and see this tide change. So independent of their PDAs and independent of all their calendars, this thing is happening that they can count on. And that's what she was hoping. A lot of things, you know, people went to the offices in downtown Philadelphia, but didn't, they didn't interact with the town. And that was what Philadelphia wanted was to get people to live and to be just in, Phil in downtown Philadelphia. What she found interesting though, is after those two years and putting the buoys in there, the fact that they danced on the water, she saw a whole new level of currents and patterns that she had never seen before, even though she had gone out there every day and had looked at the river. It was the fact of having the buoys on it and having them be big, she was able to see this other dancing that was going on. So I think that's some other way it's, it's, we can look out the window, we can observe, but interacting with nature is another way of, for us to be inspired by what is going on out there. Yeah. I get some of that when we go, we're kind of on the cliff side sometime to a place where we go too mm -hmm. often and you can tell the difference in the rocks that have, the new rocks that have fallen from yep. the cliff side. Yeah. It's a little scary at the same time, but it's also to, you know, it's, amusing as well to know that there's still or at least nature is still the erosion and everything is taking place and even from the rocks and the ocean is there yeah there was a woman and i i forget her name but she, it was santa cruz that she would go out every day and it was the the this formation was called the three sisters so it for me it may have been three pylons or some sort of formation that the ocean had created on those cliffs and she went out there every day and took a picture of them and they did some sort of documentary probably on pbs but i remember um the climax of the story was when the ocean finally took them mm. and it, there was no indication to her you know it wasn't like she took these pictures and saw the erosion and thought it was going to happen there must have just been some sort of fissure that finally that one day and she went out there and the sisters were gone they were just gone wow yeah and how she had she had a relationship with them because she had documented them with these photographs every single day you know she gave meaning to it because it was important in her life it was something as part of her ritual to go out there and do it and it 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 tore her up and you know the film crew is with her following her out there to take the picture and just suddenly they were gone yeah, that has just mind blowing, like seeing a volcano mm -hmm. um, just disappear. Yeah. yeah. Um, so earlier, um, I guess when you go when you went from the corporate world to what you do now, what what are some things that inspired you to do that? What gave you courage? Um, what 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 motivated you to do that i guess 
looking back, I can tell you what motivated me. At the time, I was terrified. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd spent my whole life under the assumption that I must be employed a certain way. Um, I tend to be on the fuzzy front end of things, so I'm the idea person. And I, I had a lot of people tell me, you should go out on your own. You should do this. You should do that. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no. And I think that part of the beauty of the pandemic, it gave me long enough, A, to, okay, well, I'm out of a job and we've gone into lockdown, which is not a great time to be, you know, looking for a corporate job when everybody's not even sure what they're doing with themselves. Can't even, right. you know, look for new employees when they're not sure about their own employees. And, and so I, I, at some point, I realized that I was going to have to save me. And I probably knew it earlier that I had always looked to this entity, this corporate or whatever, to save me. You know, they were taking care of me. You know, it was this exchange. I show up and they pay me type of thing. And, and all the benefits, you know, people call it the golden handcuffs. But I can tell you most of my career, I kept waiting for somebody to notice me. You know, that's how you would get promoted or that's how you get the good projects. So the pandemic, finally, I said, you know, this is up to you. And so I made a conscious decision to not go back to corporate, knowing that I would probably fall into those old patterns, that I was going to have to figure it out on my own, whatever it was going to be and however I was going to cobble it together. And that's what I was going to do. I've kind of lost your question now that I've gone down. The, the <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I was okay, asking yeah. what are, um, I guess, what inspired you? What motivated you? Whether, you yeah. know, you've read a lot of books. Um, um, you there know, some of, people yeah. that inspired you or anything like that, that gave you the courage to take the step. So there, there were a couple of books I was looking at, and part of it was I had these, the engineering, the, the innovation management, and the design processes that, that most of the time they do not look like each other at all. And most of the time those people won't work with the others because the process is different. So I was looking for a brand new thing, which is kind of the reason I went with the moon. It was completely different than anything I'd ever done. But I was inspired by two people. Um, it's Christina Rilo, who's actually in Seattle. I'm pretty sure she's in Washington now. And then Dr. Ezzy Spencer, that's in Australia. And both of them were looking at ancient wisdom and then, and then how to apply it to modern management practices. So what are the ways of connecting with nature? How does nature, what are the rhythms of nature? So some of it is the seasons, some of it are the tides, but what is the, the easier way of doing things if we align with that as opposed to fighting things like let's just go run into that wall we're going to make sure that works that some of the their teachings finally got me to reflect and got me to a point of being able to say i need to do this for myself i need to prove to myself i realized i did not trust myself which is one reason i avoided it when people would tell me you need to go out on your own and do this well i didn't trust myself to do it so part of that was, okay, how do I build my own self-trust? And there were little things, again, the bricks, it was just as much of progress on a project as it was bricks. Some of this string heart was part of that, was just saying, I am going to do, well, I was going to do hundred. I did 50, <laughs> but I broke them into two groups. 50 was on, let's just figure out how to do this. And then 50 was on design and somewhere in there I got lost. Um, part of it was I was writing the book at the time. So I just made a choice, but it was, 
listening then and forming a relationship with myself. So I was finding out what did I like? What could I do to trust myself? Even that desire that I do every day of what do I need to nourish myself? Part of that is building trust. Whatever pops up, that is what I'm going to get that day because that's what I asked for. Even if it's not the most logical thing, like, oh, I want to go have a big pizza today, or I'm going to go get ice cream or whatever it is, or if it's not logical, I'll still do it just to build that trust. Facing the fears. Yeah. 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 Or having a conversation, because that's a lot of where I think my burnout would come from is the, the voice inside of me saying, no, 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 you have to do this. You have, you have to do it. You don't, you don't have a choice, but being able to have a conversation, you know, the volume has come down a great deal. She's still there. She's still not sure, but she's like, Hey, you've made it three years. Okay. Okay. I don't know if we'll make it another year, but Hey, all right. It's going well. Let's keep going. <laughs> I feel like I create my, most of my burnouts. It's like, yeah. uh, it's mostly me just cracking the whip on myself mm -hmm. is my burnout. It's like, I, I really want to do this. I want to do it all day and I want to, you know, and everything else gets in my way. Like, you know, yeah. so basic necessities, go use the bathroom, go eat, go yeah. take a break, go outside. I, I don't yeah. want to do any of that when I'm like laser focused on what I'm yeah. doing. And I cause myself to burn out. So that's why I, that was the first question I asked. I completely agree. I, I always say I am, I cause most of my stress. Yeah. yeah. I do want to touch on your book before we close it out. Um, sure. uh, tell us what, what, um, yeah, I was going to ask the same yeah. thing. Yeah. What, what inspired you to, to get into a writing books? Well, I, I was unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I never, it was not one of my dreams to write a book. I mean, just kind of like you said, you never grew up thinking about a podcast. Now, granted, there were books when I was growing up, but I had created the structure and I found I was getting some peace and joy uh, more than not during the pandemic. And I saw, you know, of course, a lot of people were stressed during the pandemic, but I had made a workbook. Is what I had done. And so I started showing that workbook to a few friends and came across one who had just published her own book with a particular group at Georgetown University called the Creator Institute, which is more about how do you get to your first draft manuscript. And then if you want to, you can take that then to their publishing house, which was hybrid publishing. And I showed them my workbook and they said, you really need to do the book first and then you do the workbook. And I... I said, okay, you know, here's an opportunity. Let's go for it. And it was a big stretch. Um, even though it's in a creative world, I was in the making product design world. And so this idea of writing, and if you've ever met an engineer, you know, we're not known for being able to communicate well, <laughs> yeah. but the irony was I was good at public speaking and I was good at storytelling and they had a number, we, we had 200 of us together. So I had a community that was supporting me and they were teaching us on how to write our second book. They said, most authors, you know, you kind of fumble through the first one and you learn some things and tips and tricks. And that's what they were teaching us. And so we had templates about how to craft a story and then how to craft a chapter and then how to create the, the outline to get to the manuscript. So that, that's how it came about. So 
I started with a workbook that was about my process. When you get to about 10 or maybe 15,000 words, you then um, have one-on-one -on -one with the professor who is in charge of this to give you some feedback. And he said, you know, I appreciate what you've done, Jennifer, but it would be helpful if you took a step back and just talked about personal process development as opposed to your process. So I was more of a case study instead of the case study. And so I made that pivot, um, which meant most of that 15,000 words had to be thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started all over almost at that point, which was fine. Um, I had a rhythm to what was going on and I had gotten over the fear of writing my first story and writing my first chapter. So I knew what it took and I just, I took small bite by small bite. It was about two hours a day I could handle actually writing. Now there was all sorts of other management at that point. Um, but the book there is about um, how we end up in burnout. It talks about the cult of action on how we get sucked into this cult that we must be busy all the time. The reason that we feel like, or I feel like reflection is helpful. And the fact that we want to have reflection and action, it's not that we're going to become hermits and we're going to go and, and, and be in a monastery, but that we want to choose our actions wisely. And then I get into an entire section about how nature can inspire us. The things like talking about the layers and talking about observation and, and that type of thing, a shift in mindset that nature could be helpful. And then finally, a section about how to apply that. And that's a lot going back to the design process about you need to spend time listening on what resonates with you and prototype, try some things out, see what works, what doesn't. It's, I, I warn people, this is not a light switch. This is something that's probably going to be a lifelong thing for you yeah. that you're going to try something. It's going to work or not work or part of it does or part of it doesn't. And you keep what does and you get rid of what doesn't. And then you try again with something else or add on to it or whatever it is. Um, which disappoints some people, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, I find other people who get it and, and that's all right. I am now starting the workbook. Um, so with the, with that was 2020 was writing the book. 2021 was about this annual process on how I looked at these moons within the annual. How do I plan out my year? And this year I'm actually creating that workbook as I do it. It's ugly as anything. It's not something I would share immediately, but I figure by the time I get to the end of the year, it'll be time to think about digitizing it and, and seeing what it means to offer it. So the workbook, is it, is it to help people basically facilitate some of the daily routines that you do um, on and, a daily? Mm -hmm. And then the, and we'll see how far it goes. It may end up morphing into three or four different things, but the ultimate big volume thing would be yes, the, the daily, the monthly, the seasonal. I, I spend um, each equinox and each um, solstice, I stop and I review the past three months and I think about the next three. So there would be uh, rituals, I guess, if you wanna call them for those. Okay. I can see it starting with just the season ones that most people would probably only wanna touch on this every three months. Um, and then there are gonna be others that would just wanna geek out like me and, and <laughs> do all all of it. <laughs> so, I guess two questions. Yep. What's your um, your zodiac sign, and what's your favorite crystal? Yeah. So I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. Um, crystal. So that I'm sure the way you're ask, asking that, I don't have an answer for it, but I do tend to lean towards the emerald, just okay. because I like emeralds. Now, 
I'm sure you have another reason to ask that. And I, I don't know enough about crystals to, to answer it that way. Well, you know, you mentioned rules. Yeah, that was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And I, I tend towards emeralds. I've got an Irish heritage and it's green and it goes with the red hair really good, you know, things like that. So yeah, yeah emeralds pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, it's been a very, very good conversation and I've really enjoyed it. Um, is there anything you'd like to ask us or anything you'd like to share with the audience before we um, close things out? I have enjoyed this uh, a great deal as well. I, the, the, the book just came out in August. So I'm still in a phase where I love to hear feedback. So um, if anybody wants to take a look at it, it's on Amazon or my website is at jenniferpv.com. I, I really am just trying to start a conversation. So if anybody feels motivated to, to contact me, that would be great. Okay. Okay. And we always invite, you know, our guests back. And if you're ever in LA, you're yeah. welcome to come in for an in-studio um, session as well, as far as recording. That would be fabulous. I, I actually have been in, oh, and now I'm about to embarrass myself. <laughs> I have been in the fleet, the one that Fleetwood Mac recorded uh, Tuscan and actually recorded in there. And now I cannot even tell you what it is. And I'm hoping you don't know, do you? I do. <laughs> is it, that's not the NPR thing, is it? No, it's, okay. it's a really old, old, old studio. And I mean, of course, you walk in there and everything is gold albums. And it's back when everything was on albums. But um, we went in there and worked with an engineer. It was, a, it was actually an innovation workshop. And they were showing us about how music is made. That could be another reason for your studio is you can do um, corporate retreats. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. And that's why we were there. <laughs> we were learning the entire process and what it takes to collaborate and uh, hearing the stories. And we and we actually recorded a song oh, while we were in there. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was really, and they did the they did the engineering for us and everything. It was really, it was a lot of fun. That's right. pretty neat. Yeah, it was great having you on the show. Um, for the listeners, um, all the links uh, Jennifer mentioned will be on the description. And as for the podcast, you can find us at americangypsy.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. And if you also want to check out some nice music, you can go to classic, K-L-A-C-C-I-K. -C -C that's Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A on Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. Nice cello music, also some other instrumental music, electronic instrument, instrumental music. So feel free to check that out sometime thank you for all our to all our listeners for subscribing clicking like sharing commenting and just showing support and thank you again jennifer thank you all it's been a pleasure thank you and consistent self-improvement to everyone and we'll talk to you again next time peace peace <laughs>